Hello there, I'm Devin Wilkins and this is Insight Peterborough, a presentation of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind, CCB. And if you'd like to learn more about the CCB, just uh, send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com ccbpeterborough at gmail.com And I am once again alone because I'm doing the show from home this week. So a special uh, shout out there to my co-host Bob Chrysler and uh, hopefully soon we can get together again and carry on as we had been doing. However, in the meantime, uh, we've got some interviews for you to listen to. The first one I was digging back into our archives. Thank goodness I kept uh, a lot of our shows that we've done in the past. But anyway, this one is with two gentlemen and... It's on the organization People First. It was done in December of 2018, but what they have to say is as relevant today as it was then. So here are my previous co-host, Simon Trevoranis, and myself, and we're speaking with two gentlemen with People First. With us, we're happy to have two people from People First. We have Daniel Lombardi and Philip Mekachuk. 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 Yeah. Yes. So, good morning, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, we're doing well, thanks. Yes. Uh, thanks for having us on. Okay. So, can one of you tell us um, uh, where People First uh, came from and how it uh, originated? So People First in Peterborough, anyway, was co-founded by uh, Susan Cooper and Nancy Nancy DeRiver, sorry, in 1993. Um, And there's many chapters worldwide now, including here in Peterborough. And um, we are partnered with Community Living Trent Islands, Mm -hmm. United Way Peterborough, and uh, we tackle a wide range of issues regarding advocacy. And is this mostly for uh, uh, adults, uh, or uh, can uh, parents of of children be involved as well? Phil, did you want to answer that? Well, I would say it's probably mostly adults, for people with disabilities, um, just to advocate for people with disabilities to have a life Outside of the home, I guess, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Dan. Yeah, um, parents can be be involved as well. Uh, there's an associate membership, but to be a member of People First, you must have an intellectual disability. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so it's a it's a community of people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. And what kind of uh, issues do you find that you have to? Advocate more uh, for, um, is it attitude that uh, is the biggest thing? Well, yeah, attitude is the biggest thing also. Um, the language barrier with um, people with disabilities, 
and uh, we have so many things that we have to go through just to make ourselves be aware of what people are trying to be equalized in other people. So, yeah, we're trying to make sure that everybody's well aware not using the quote and unquote our word and other languages, other stuff like that, right, Dan? Yeah. Um, I think attitude attitude barriers are quite popular. Um, It's something we're always trying to uh, make people aware of. And, again, we're trying to raise awareness about attitude barriers and and other barriers as well. But, yes, I would say it's quite popular. And and these are biases and... and Phrases of speech that people use without really thinking about it, and they and they, uh, you know, they can change their ways to be more inclusive with their language. Is that absolutely, absolutely? And we don't even think about it most times. And we're not even saying that uh, us as members are perfect. We slip up sometimes too. But uh, it's it's about changing your uh, attitudes towards people with disabilities. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because there's there's quite a, a variation or variety of degrees of disability, uh, aren't isn't there? There certainly is. I mean, there's different disabilities that everybody will have to adapt to, like autism, cerebral palsy, and all the other disabilities that we see around other communities and in people as well. So. We have to be well aware of our, our, I don't know, what would you say, our uh, attitude then? Our community and our attitude towards um, our community also. Yeah, a community of people that want to be included. Yeah, and, you know, we want to be included, so us as members should also be inclusive. Of course, yeah. So, so how many members, how, how active is your Peterborough chapter of, of People First? Uh, right now, I do believe the last count we had was 36 members. 36 members? Yes. Wow. Holy cow. So, and hopefully we're still going by that. Yeah, we're always looking for new members. We're right now looking for um, a lot of younger members. Um, so we're hoping to grow in the coming weeks and coming months and years. Okay. So do you two hold executive uh, positions? Uh, are, are one of you the president or, you know, something like that of the chapter, or are you members? Uh, yeah. Well, I, well I, can, I can help you with that. Dan's the president as we speak ah. right now. So I'm on the board of directors, and we have different um, different people on different types of everything on this board of directors and of course the um, the members that we deal with on the board of directors plus we have a treasurer and a secretary and a liaison it's crazy so we are quite busy um, as Phil was stating I am the president and um, we have six board of directors um and we have a treasurer, a vice president, a um, secretary, um, a um, liaison. liaison that assists us through Camille Living Trent Highlands. Um, 
And uh, all this is made possible by funding through the United Way. They're a uh, really big partnership with uh, People First. Do you fundraise together with the United Way? or? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, when fundraising is going on through uh, United Way, we assist them. And uh, when we fundraise, they are always key partners in making sure that they raise awareness that we're fundraising. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Strategic partnerships. I love it. What kind of fundraisers do you do? Well, we sometimes do you know, other fundraisers. Um, I remember when I started, they were fundraising for a accessible swing at the Peterborough Zoo. Uh, oh, yeah, it was, that was a good project. It was. I think that you guys raised about what? A couple we, hundred bucks? We um, donated $200 towards the swing. Um, we have done a chili dinner mm-hmm. annually. We had done conferences in the past. Mm-hmm. We have recently taken a break from doing those because oh. there um, are a lot of work and yeah. take a lot of main hours. They sure are. So... We have decided as a chapter to take a break from those, but we've also done um, open houses. We've done mug drives. We've done all different types of fundraising. We held a barbecue recently in August and uh, raised a good amount of money. Is there anything that goes on that is all of People First Ontario that, uh, you know, big fundraisers or big events that uh, that all the chapters participate in? So quite often we will get invited to go participate with uh, People First Ontario and even Canada as well to their AGM or to a conference. And that's all different types of chapters coming together and, you know, networking and uh, socializing and hearing what each other is up to. Yeah, learning from everybody's best practices. and Yes. Yeah, that's a great chance to do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Do you find it uh, difficult to uh, get employment um, uh, opportunities for people who are in your organization? Well, I wouldn't say it is not difficult, but it is a little bit challenging to find the right person to help us out with um, with everything from being a treasurer to a board directors and Dan as a president and we have a vice president and it's just been it's been it's been a quite a good experience where I've been on the board directors for the last four years and it's great to be on the board of directors but I personally like to move up in the world but I'm taking it slowly and work my way up. Yeah, you know, you don't always um Go right to the top. You have to start your way in the bottom. <clears throat> excuse me, of an organization and work your way up, and that's what most people do. But I do feel like when talking with our members, um, it, they do find it difficult to find employment, and uh, the employment opportunities are not always uh, suitable for people with disabilities. And I'm hoping in the coming years and months that does change. I agree. It'd be great to be able to to make some more inclusive jobs. Definitely. Do you talk to employers? I do. That's one of the things we do as advocacy is we will go to businesses and we will um, discuss 
white, it is um, a good thing to uh, hire people with disabilities. Um, one of the really important um, companies that do hire a lot of people with um, disabilities is Tim Hortons. Oh. So they're a really good um, partner in hiring people with uh, disabilities. We had a um, person that owns several Tim Hortons in Toronto. I can't think of his name right now, but uh, he, he hires a lot of people himself with uh, people with disabilities. Great. Okay. When you talk to a group of people or individuals and you'd like them to change their attitude toward you, what kind of things, what kind of tips or pointers do you give them? Um, aside from, please don't call us, may I say it, retarded? Yes. Yes. What else do you say? Well, we would try to say something positive uh, than the other word. I mean, I did a, a video for from college a few years back. It's going back about four years before I graduated. Um, and uh, we try to say something respective, like respect, uh, well, positively, sorry, just to use a respective language like respect, we, uh, we, um, I used to say respect and, and, um, I don't know, respect and help each other out. I mean, uh, we've been doing it, I've been doing this for four years with people first and, and I've been through college to help out other people, so, it is challenging, so... So I think, Phil, what you might be referring to is we did a uh, a project where we actually focused on the R Word campaign, it was called, mm-hmm. and we one of the activities that we did was think of how many words start with R that aren't the word retarded. Mm-hmm. Use any one of those words, even if it doesn't fit with your sentence... Rutabaga. Rutabaga. Exactly. <laughs> I actually think that was on there. Simon, did you play? I didn't, but I would love to. All right. Well, we can do that sometime. So, you know, there are plenty of other words you can use other than that word. And so um, I, I would say for myself, things I always tend to say to people is take it one step at a time. Because if you try and change your, your um, language on one day, it's not going to work. Take it one step at a time. But in general, you want people to use the person first. I mean, people should be referring to the human being in the chair or the human being who has the dog. Is that all the case? Like, do people refer to you differently just because you're in a wheelchair or because you have a service dog? I mean, is that a the person first? That's we we're people, talking to the person, so we should people be, first. Exactly. Yes. We want to be known as people first. So. That gentleman over there in the wheelchair. Yeah. What, or other than that person, or the wheelchair over there with the person in it. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Like, we want to be known as people first. Yeah, and right? Devin, Devin isn't Frankie. No, I'm not, no. And my, and my favorite part of Devin is not Frankie. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I used to have a, uh, a friend in Toronto... Um, this might uh, uh, kind of uh, give you uh, an idea of what we're talking about. 
And she used to say, my blind friend or my black friend. You know, we weren't Devon, who happens to be blind, or so-and-so, who happens to be black. And uh, I was forever trying to get her to change her attitude toward that. And see, one of the ways I would say to do that is one day at a time. Yeah. One day at a time. Mm-hmm. One interaction at a time? One interaction at a time. Um, someone said this to me, and I thought, you know, it really does make sense. Rome was not built in a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, one day at a time, one interaction at a time. I like that. Look how long it's taken. I mean, the International Year of Persons with Disabilities was 1981, and we're still working on it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So you could also say one person at a time. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Phil, I cut you off. Sorry. That's right. Yeah, it's true that we've been working together. You guys have been working on this since 1981. I've been working on this since, like, what, 2003, 2004? So we're around that way. So yeah, you're a young man. Come on, 1981, Phil. Give me a break. <laughs> you weren't around in 81. No, I wasn't. But I was born in 87. But I've been here in Pueblo trying to figure something out in yeah. 2003 and 2004. So here we go. <laughs> and, you know, I believe that the work that we're doing is going to continue long um into our lives and long after we're gone. Yeah. And I really hope that, you know, people after us, generations after us, continue the hard work. Well, hey, that, that was profound. We were talking about that earlier, but, yeah, that's a profound thing to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and if there was a message um, that you could leave with people, what would it be? Ask. Uh-huh. If you're not sure, or you have a question, ask. What's the worst thing that can happen? I don't feel comfortable answering that, or no, I don't want to answer that. But if you don't ask, you haven't made that first step. Therefore, no. therefore you'll never know. Exactly, and everybody's asked me how I drive my wheelchair, and I just explain it to them quite easily. And I've been driving the wheelchair for almost 25 years, and they, some people don't ask, and that's one of the reasons why that what Dan said is true. Ask, always ask a question, whether you're disabled or not. It's always good to ask a lot of questions about what the disability is or something else. So, yeah, always ask. It's sort of like um, if you saw. Uh, somebody struggling to get across the street with a big parcel like I got the other day. It was a, a fairly big box. And uh, so if they were coming uh, across the street, you wouldn't grab the parcel out of their hands without saying, oh, here, uh, may, I, may I help you uh, carry that or may I carry that for you? You'd, you'd ask first. And and then you would take it from them if they said yes. So in the in that same way, instead of grabbing hold of the chair uh, and deciding where the person wants to go when you don't really know, or grabbing uh, the arm of someone who is blind and steering them in a direction that you don't really know that they want to go there, 
uh, like two people did to me in Toronto Mm. years ago. I got off the bus, and I wanted to meet somebody on that corner, and there were two women. One grabbed one arm, and one grabbed the other arm, and and I'm putting on the brakes and shaking my head wildly and saying, no, no, no. You know, they didn't speak the same language that I did, but I thought shaking my head would get it across, and finally it did. But, yeah, you got to ask first. you got to ask the person first, really? Oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, you can't just, you know, go decide that they're going to do what you want them to do. Someone actually made this point to me. I didn't even think about it, and I'm in a wheelchair. They said, a wheelchair is an extension of your body. Mm -hmm. So if you're touching my wheelchair or another person's wheelchair without their permission, it's like touching them. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's an extension of them. Or my dog. Or your dog, right? Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. So, um... I would say ask, because if you don't ask, you'll never know. Right. Very good. There was actually a little bit more to that interview, but we got talking about a specific information day, so uh, that would no longer be up to date, so I kind of cut that off, but uh, as you heard... What they had to say was uh, is as relevant today as it was a couple of years ago. Now, you may remember that I chatted with a lady named Marcy Yale who talked about scholarships that were available for people going to post-secondary education, either college or university. And there are other scholarships that students with disabilities can also apply for. And that is through the National Educational Association of Disabled Students needs. And so I chatted with Frank Smith about those scholarships because there is still time. So welcome to the uh, program, uh, Frank, and nice to have you with us. Thank you for inviting me on your show. Maybe uh, you could begin by telling us what the National Educational Association of Disabled Students is all about and how it began and that sort of thing. Sure. So uh, the National Educational Association of Disabled Students, or NEEDS for short, was founded in 1986. And the organization represents post-secondary students and graduates with disabilities across Canada. And our focus is on full access to college and university education in this, in this country. And the organization has a cross-disability focus. And when I say that, I mean that we represent students and graduates with disabilities with all different types of of disabilities. The organization has a board of directors which represents the provinces and uh, we have a territorial seat as well which is vacant at the moment. Uh, So we have a board of directors. Our organization is very consumer driven so all of the members of our board are um, persons with disabilities who are currently in college university programs are recently graduated and and um, the staff that work 
organization are also people with disabilities for the for the most part. Um, I think it's probably 80 or 90 percent of the people who work with us on on projects and our various initiatives are persons with disabilities too. So we bring that lived experience to everything we do. And we are also a member group of the Council of Canadians with Disabilities. So we have uh, that seat at the national table with other provincial disability organizations and national disability organizations, including um, uh, the Alliance for the Equality of Blind Canadians and the Hard of Hearing Association and uh, Disabled Women's Network, organizations like that that are in, also part of this disability community. Do you have any idea what your uh, membership would be, or the number of students you represent? Well, we don't. We don't have at the current moment. We used to actually have paid membership to charge people a nominal fee, like ten dollars for a membership, and you even got a membership card with that back in the in the eighties, and, and it was a braille card, so it was accessible. But uh, we, you know, we don't charge a membership fee. Um, but we have within our network of the students that we represent, that includes close to 200,000 uh, persons with disabilities who are in public post-secondary education across the country. And, you know, the network, well, the majority of the people that we represent are students, disabled students. Obviously, we also um, include within our network and and contact with regularly people who are working on the campuses serving students, including those in accessibility services or disability services, offices and students unions and you know, the various offices that serve and support students on campus. We also have um, connections with campus-based disabled students groups across the country. Um, and those are organizations that are run for students with disabilities, by students with disabilities, and funded by students unions, specifically like accessibility services, disability services on campus where students receive their accommodations and their support. We'll be talking about awards and scholarships that you offer in just a few minutes, but what services, uh, are there other services that you offer as well? Yes, yeah, so the organization has a number of um, accessible websites that we, we have. So we have a, quite a, an online presence. So the main website is neads.ca. We also have uh, a financial aid portal called disabilityawards.ca, which includes information on loans and grants, scholarships, awards, and bursaries for post-secondary study for disabled students, and it's very focused, very disability-specific, although we have general information in that resource on the Canada Student Loans Program and, 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 and OSAP, for example, in Ontario for students who attend uh, Trent and maybe getting a combination of Ontario Student Assistance Program funding and Canada Student Loans Program funding, and, and we focus, of course, on the, the grants that, that are available for disabled students, um, grants or bursaries, whether federal or provincial, on that 
developing right now a website called disabilityrightsonline.ca, which is, has a very, very sort of human rights um, focus to it. Part of a project we're doing with the Council of Canadians Disabilities and other partners to, um, to present information on the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities and the optional protocol of the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities and also other enabling um, legislation, including the Accessible Canada Act and in Ontario, the AODA, and how this human rights legislation impacts the lives of um, persons with disabilities and, of course, students with disabilities that we represent. So, um, and we also have an employment portal called Breaking It Down, which has very specific information on the, um, you know, the rights and the, and the um, accommodations that should be available to persons with disabilities in, in the employment market. So that's another, so it's like a suite of um, different online resources that we offer. And the hub of it all is our main website, ca. And, you know, we regularly post media announcements up there about our projects and activities and our events. And we hold different kinds of events depending on projects we're working on, either webinars or face-to-face -face events. During this difficult time that we find ourselves in, we're doing a, <clears throat> a lot of meetings using Zoom as a, as a platform so people can meet safely um, online through um, Zoom and they That's great. I'm, I'm glad that you have such a wide coverage and that you uh, get people involved with uh, 
a bit of uh, advocacy and uh, learning the issues and that sort of things. And I'm, I'm very impressed about that. Yes, and on the advocacy front, well, we're not like uh, we are. You know, we cannot provide like legal advocacy. For example, if somebody needs some legal aid, we can offer referral, and we often refer people to different organizations or lawyers or people that can with support. But we do offer if an individual student is dealing with an issue relating to their funding or their accommodations on campus, they're certainly welcome to contact us, and I can set up a phone call, or we can communicate by email, whatever um, people are most comfortable with, so we do some level of individual advocacy or support, too, um, as you know, this student has different issues that they're trying to navigate and address when they're going to school, and sometimes those um, you know, in, in the ideal situation, in the optimal situation, those accommodations will be delivered through accessibility services and the various services on campus, but sometimes there are issues of, of barriers being put in people's way, whether it has to do with the, you know, the format that their, that their academic materials are in or whether... You know, the classroom is accessible or not. You know, these kinds of things, if somebody runs into a roadblock and they're not getting the support they need on campus, they can certainly contact us and we can help them. That's terrific. Now, I understand that uh, a lot of your focus at the moment, at least, is being put on various scholarships that people can apply for. Can you give us a rundown about those? Yes. So we have the NEED Student Awards program, which includes the $3,000 NEED Student Award, and we have two $1,000 awards, the NEED Holly Bartlett Memorial Award, which is a, an award that was set up um, in, to honor a former board member who passed away 10 years ago. And we have another memorial award for another member who has passed away, Christine Nieder, Christine Nieder um, Student Award. And that award also is for $1,000. So that we've been running these programs now since 2007. And over that period of time, we've provided uh, about $280,000 in funding to around 100 students in college and university programs, various fields of study with different disabilities. So these awards that we offer are um, they're for college and university students. We have for undergraduate and graduate, because it's often difficult for graduate students to get um, the funding they need to support their studies. And, you know, so it's our little little bit that we're doing to provide some level of financial aid to um, students through this, through this program. And we also, of course, promote lots of other scholarships towards university programs that are offered through individual colleges and universities or through other um, non-governmental organizations. For example, the Alliance for the Equality of Blind Canadians, APC, has a 
Hard of Hearing Association. So there are a number of uh, there are a number of organizations that also offer awards and scholarships specifically for disabled students. So we promote those too. And I should mention that as part of the Need Student Award program, we also simultaneously support the AMI scholarships, the AMI Robert Pearson Memorial Scholarships. Those are there are two five thousand dollar scholarships that are offered by AMI, Festival Media Incorporated, you would know AMI. Uh -huh. And um, and we um, so so they pay the scholarships out to one Anglophone and one Francophone disabled student each year. So all of the so, so for all of those programs, our three awards program, and by by the way, the number that we give out each year varies based on funding we receive from individual donors and from corporate partners. And the AMI scholarships, applicants apply through one accessible system that we've set up, and they're able to apply for all of those programs. They're able to be considered for to receive an, an award or scholarship from any one of those programs. The application period for all of those programs, the NEED Student Awards program, plus the AMI scholarships, is um, it runs from late February until May 8th, and actually we're about to have conversations with AMI, given the current circumstances, to extend the deadline by several weeks. So I'm expecting soon we'll be announcing that we'll accept applications, probably sometime into June or July or something like that, but we haven't made a decision on that. And then we announce the recipients um, sort of late fall, um, early um, December or something like that, depending on, on the year, because we have to vet the applications and, and we have a, a selection committee that reviews them and scores them before we select the recipient. So students who have applied should already have their financial arrangements made for this coming year and not um, wait probably for uh, the time when you uh, send out the uh, the checks right yeah the way I mean the way I consider our programs is supplemental to funding that students would receive from other sources ah. and it's a competitive program right it, these are um, so we're when we're looking at the applications we receive we score them based on academic performance is one aspect of it, but we also look very strongly at community engagement and involvement, um, employment experience, you know, et cetera. We're trying to look for people, people who are well-rounded, and um, it's not always the person who has the best academic performance who will receive a particular award, uh, sometimes weighted quite heavily in terms of community engagement and, and involvement either on campus or with organizations in, in the community. And we see a lot of that. We see a lot of our applicants are amazingly talented people. Not only are they accomplished in their fields of study, but they also are really engaged in their communities and doing great, great things. Is there an age limit for any of these uh, scholarships? 
not, and we do have some eligibility criteria. Obviously, you have to have a disability and be in a post-secondary program study. You have to be registered and enrolled. And um, also, you have to be a Canadian citizen. But we have those kinds of um, parameters. Parameters, And I should also say that we, we ask the people be in, in full-time study. Now, when we say that, we mean we're following the same definition that the Canada Student Loans Program would have for students with disabilities, which, which is 40% uh, or more of full-time study. Now, uh, when you ask the people have a disability, do, do you require some kind of medical uh, verification of that? Well, that's a very good question. We do require proof of disability, although we're um, all about social model, not medical model. Yeah. And uh, while well, somebody can provide something from a doctor um, if they want as a proof of disability or a slip or whatever to prove that they're receiving ODSP or something as proof of disability. Really all we require is, um, in most cases, the students who apply are registered with accessibility services or disability services on campus. And we just ask that there be a letter from somebody in that center indicating that that student is registered with accessibility services. We don't need to know the specifics of the, of the disability. Although there are questions in the application form where we ask people to to explain to us how they've been, you know, how they've to provide, I don't have the exact question in front of me, but yeah. how to, to explain how they have, um, you know, navigated their post-secondary experience and, 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 and advocated for their, for the accommodations they require. So sometimes when people fill out the form, they provide a little bit of information on their disability experience relative to their studies, um, which is always interesting to see how people have, a, have, have approached their accommodations and, and, um, and how they've been successful in doing that and in their studies too. Can people submit applications in any format or do you prefer print no it's all it's, it's done online ah, and it's right. an accessible it's a it's a system that we've built and it's built to be accessible so you so people are filling out a form online that's secure and they can attach documents that are required like proof of disability and other and letters of reference and things like that right within the system Mm -hmm. And we also provide support. So if people are having difficulty uh, with the system for whatever reason, then they can. There's an email address that we provide, and we can help. You know, walk them through any issues that they're having to make sure that their application is complete. All right. So how would people go about applying for these scholarships? Well, they can apply through our website and. Even if you type in, um, if somebody does a Google search and goes, need student awards program, or they do AMI scholarships, because the AMI, um, if, you, if you go to AMI scholarships and click on the links they provide, that takes people to the page where they fill out our uh, application 
Okay. And what is your website? So our main website is needsneads.ca. Terrific. And you can also find us on Facebook and on Twitter. And, um, you know, we've got quite a strong online presence. Sounds good. Is there anything else I should be asking you about? I can't really think of anything else. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have been talking to you. And and uh, I, I think that we're just very happy to be able to always talk about the work of the organization and how we situate ourselves in the disability community and how we serve students because that's what we're all about, supporting and serving students. And we're doing it as a consumer directed and focused organization run by people with disabilities for people with disabilities. Okay, well, thanks so much for being with us and thanks for doing what you do. Um, I wish when I was taking my course in broadcasting at Humber College, I wish I'd known about you, but uh, hey, there'll be lots of students now that uh, will be able to benefit, and thanks so much for doing what you do. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, and that you, you have this radio program. It's really important. Now, the uh, work of needs was, of course, the reason for that interview, but there are are two things that I learned about Frank Smith that came out in the emails back and forth prior to the interview. First of all, Frank Smith is a Peterborough boy. I don't know how long he's lived in Ottawa, but uh, he was a Peterborough native son. And uh, the other thing is that Frank is a musician. And uh, the uh, group that he belongs to is Sills and Smith. And I actually have a song by them from their fifth album. The album is called Echoes in Time. And the group, as I say, is Sills and Smith. S-I-L-L-S and Smith. And the song is called We Are Receiving.
question for you. How many times do you figure you've washed your hands today? And how many times do you figure that you will wash your hands today? Well, someone sent along a song which is kind of a parody on another song whose tune you'll recognize, No Problems. And uh, certainly it speaks of uh, how many times you have to wash your hands. I have no idea, as I'm recording this, who wrote the song or who sang it, but we'll find our way out of here for this week with a song called I Gotta Wash My Hands. Have a good week. And thanks so much for listening. Bye for now. Oh, yeah. Touch that something. I think you understand. Now I need a scrubbing. I gotta wash my hands. 
Scrubbing, I gotta. 